Welcome back again to the second portion of my conversation with John Do Masoero. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Yes, Masoero. Who's the Alexander yes. Technique teacher and a researcher? Is that correct to say you're a researcher? Well, may I change your statement? <laughs> yes. I'm an initial Alexander teacher. He's an initial I am Alexander not teacher. The Alexander Technique with hands. Yes. I am a rogue teacher. Yes. Um, so. I just I want to make one one comment yes, is yes, that um, what what it means is that instead of uh, imparting the correct thing to the person, what is interesting is to uh, have the person negotiate what is the correct thing for herself mm. and how to negotiate that without feelings is very interesting because it means that you can suddenly expand to what things you don't do, don't feel, that mm. don't feel right, that feel uh, absolutely awful, for example. Yes. So mm -hmm. uh, it's more the concept of agency, the concepts of dominion over oneself that the person has, and not somebody doing it to you. And also, which the, is also the world of feelings, uh, the idea of our uh, sensory domain, our sensory development, is continuously shifting. Yes, that's correct. So to be guided by something that is rightfully continuously shifting and dynamic would would be, uh, well, I wonder how useful that would be if we're going to expose ourselves towards new experiences, which is learning. That's Yeah, that's a great problem that Alexander couldn't solve. His, right. uh, his idea that... Um, uh, the person receiving the correct adjustment, because he said, I can give it to them whether they want, they want it or not, <laughs> meaning I can organize the different parts of their organism in such a way that they will be more balanced. Yeah. Yes. So that, that way they will sit with less uh, movements apparent and more fluidity, more counter movements possible. Mm. It's difficult to imagine, but let, let's say, okay, he's able to do that. Well, then the feelings that that will produce in a person that is basically badly organized. How can these feelings be the same as the feeling Alexander was experienced in producing the same movements himself? Hmm. It's impossible. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling. How could he imagine that he could teach people with his hands is something I can't understand. Mm -hmm. Many people, so many people say that this is the only teaching of the Alexander Technique, that mm -hmm. uh, if you don't feel uh, the result, you don't get it. Well, what I say is that if you feel the result, you have no idea of the means whereby you can get them because the, uh, the, the feeling comes after so you have to, so very often you see people make a jump, a reasoning jump backwards, a flip back, thinking, well, if the feeling as is the result of this, then the feeling will help me create it. That's, it's, that's stupid. Well, sorry, it's, it's unreasonable. It's that, like almost, it, it's almost like saying if, it's, some, it's almost like saying if a pen could suspend itself into midair, by itself. Yes, by itself. Yes. <laughs> or if the result of an action could be the same as the creation of that action. Hmm. Very often people use the uh, some 
uh, development of uh, cerebral uh, observation when they found some mirror neuron and they say that well uh, the actions are coded in the same way in the feeling side and the motor side so they say if you have coded a movement, then uh, on the motor side, so somebody repeat the movement for you, so your motor side will will get the notion through your sensory side. Then your sensory side will be able to reproduce the motor system. Well, that that works only for very very uh, automatic movements. But what about well? Uh, responding to new constraints? What about exploring new movements? What, what? So, no, this, this, this cannot be a solution. Mm. So there is something that we must... Uh, I think we must go back to our, our, our gentleman sitting and trying to be more uh, intelligent. Yes, we're talking mind. about the okay. talking language, use of language to s overcome this problem Yes, yes. that Alexander, Alexander couldn't... Yes. yes. Okay, he had bad habits, he was moving all the time, he had uh, unwanted movements all the time, and as everybody, uh, everybody else, he tried to be better, he tried to suppress and to stiffen and to get grabbed at the floor, and, and it didn't work. Mm. Worse, there were side effects of uh, trying to repress movement, uh, made him, uh, well, uh, lost his voice. Mm. So... That's when the, the consequences were dire uh, that he decided that there must be another way. Mm. Yes. So we, we need to have an idea of uh, what are the means whereby. Well, the first means whereby, I said, was the attitude. The attitude regarding uh, sitting. How do I reason sitting? Which is a strange case question because for most people, we don't reason sitting. We just sit. That's it. Mm. Well, suddenly, Alexander is saying, well, uh, you must observe you must experiment. You must uh, rely, uh, link what you see with what you already know. So if you have an idea of law of motion, that uh, uh, if one segment, rigid segment, is acting on another one, this other one is acting on it. And if mm -hmm. you have a chain, you have to understand that the actions and reactions are uh, non, uh, impossible to suppress unless you have the structure fall, unless you have the person lie down. But uh, there are very few uh, schools that would accept uh, people learning in lying down. And I, I don't think it would be a good idea because it would, in fact, rob you of your capacity of solving problems. And if you start solving problems in one area, like sitting, it may well be possible that you can use the new activity, the new thinking in activity, in order to solve problems in other areas. Oh, so yes. it would be stupid to lie down. Do not lie down. By the way, I do not teach lie down ever. I stopped teaching lying down in 2000. It's quite some time ago now. Yes. Um, so we have a, a conception that is now involving movements. And instead of suppressing movement, we want to produce movements. Well, yes, we want to produce movements. But how? And that's where the means whereby get more get clearer. So uh, I want to give you a very simple explanation of the means whereby, so that you understand what we mean by employing means whereby in a conception of an action. For example, the conception of sitting. Mm. So I have this gent young gentleman. He's eager to become more rational. 
uh, to be able to ra to reason at a higher standard. Yes. Okay. So that's that's the picture, and uh, we've we filmed and we film at high speed, and it's discovered that in fact uh, suppressing movement may not be the correct way. Uh, yeah. The correct way would be much better to imagine creating series of movements happening all together. Okay, so how do we start to understand what we mean by conscious guidance and conscious control? That's where you need uh, a mediated uh, uh, instrument. That's where you need a mediating instrument. Something that what do you mean by mediating? Certain... You will see. Uh, it's a very important uh, aspect of Alexander Technique, of Delsart system, and of Vygotsky uh, ways of thinking. So mm. I will explain during right. the, uh, so that you see. I don't want to give a uh, an abrupt theoretical description that goes on well with the text. I want to give something that is practical that everybody will get at it through the story. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, that person is um, used to guiding his movements by feeling. Why does he move the knees? Because it's becoming uh, uh, disagreeable or there is something, uh, an itch, and he wants to scratch, you see? The feeling and the response are there, you see them, and suddenly uh, it's very easy to forget the whole the, the, the perspective of the gesture. Of sitting. Suddenly you get to an arc, an arc system that is completely reductory, uh, like a reflex, but it's not, okay? So let's help the person to suddenly, uh, first of all, control movements. And uh, for that, you need a psychological instrument that was invented by uh, Mr. Delsart. So uh, this is how it goes. I asked the young man uh, to locate a spot on the front of his pelvis. The pelvis is a bone, and I will, I will guide him to use one finger. And to place that finger on, uh, well, the protruding bone that is on the front of the pelvis. And uh, so when the person has connected to say, oh, yes, there is a bone there. So it's on the frontal part of the torso. Fine. But it's something I feel. So for the moment, nothing has changed. There is no new element to guide the, the reasoning processes. But then you think, could you imagine a line so you cannot imagine if you haven't got the story, if you haven't got the language. So uh, this imagination is not random. It's very, very well directed. You think, could you imagine a line that is vertical? So we use a, a vocabulary of geometry. Mm. Yes. Uh, that the person already knows by uh, having been to school. If not, we need to explain what we mean by vertical. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine a line that is vertical and going through the front bone of your pelvis. Okay, fine. So now I am looking at you, young man, and I am looking at you from the side. So uh, the subject is filmed sideways. Hmm. And I say, uh, if you touch the top of your sternum, which is the top part of your torso. Would you say that I see that the sternum is forward of the vertical line of the front of the pelvis, or is it backward? I must note something, is that the person cannot feel the vertical line of the front of the pelvis, okay? It's, so we are not talking of an elementary 
observation here. We are talking of someone using a higher mental function, uh -huh. that is visuospatial observation. The person has to decide if the throat is forward or is backward relative to the front of the pelvis. Mm. Most of the time, it's very interesting, the person is going to answer wrongly. Which Other means way. Yeah. that the first calculation the person makes is that the throat is not forward, that he says, but backward relative to it. Okay? Mm. Good. It's just a thing you need to observe. Okay? And you think, oh, fine. This is what you observe. Fine. For the, so now, on, on the center of your torso, there is a coastal arch, and it's possible on that coastal arch to place a ruler, a wooden piece, of, uh, wooden piece that is rectilinear, and you place it on it, and you will find that there are two, well, uh, ribs that are long enough to be on the frontal plane, and you can really connect your ruler with it, and then you ask the, the, the same question. Do you think that the middle of your torso, that line, is forward of the vertical of the front of the pelvis, or is yes. it backward? Yes. Once again, you have one chance out of two that the person is going to answer wrongly. Well, it's more than one of two, because most of the time the person will answer wrongly. That's the first thing that is interesting, because from a perspective of gesture, of continuous movement happening all the time, there is no position as such, there's just moment that you can stop, for example, taking a picture with a, a camera, then you would stop it and you would see a position. But it's, we know that this is just a, a figment of imagination. In real life, they are just gesture. They're just movements happening all the time. Mm, Good. Mm. So the person answers according to a representation he has of his form in sitting. It's not true. Well, true as seen from outside, as if you want to see if the person is calm and collected. Might it be described as calm and collected? Might it be described as having uh, the front plane like vertical? No, not. It's very interesting to have the person suddenly realize by watching the video of his own recording and to think, oh dear, I said that my ribs we are backward relative to the front of the pelvis, and in fact, they are forward. The person is using a tool to reason. It's not a feeling. It's not, I feel I'm like this, or I feel like I'm like that. It's, I use a, a mediated function, uh -huh. which is a mental function that is using a psychological element, object that we call a vertical line, and we place it on a spot to compare where are other spots. This is what we call conscious control. So a med you, a mediation is, the, is the, the word means uh, to go between. Yes, using a tool to, in fact, enhance a function. Well, let's start with something very simple. The there is a problem with uh, sitting, for example, yeah. is satisfaction. The, the problem is very simple. Mm -hmm. Do you want immediate satisfaction or not? That's the rule. Yes. And the rule is, no, you don't. You want to sit still. But for the moment, there is something that is itching and I want to scratch it. <laughs> I would have direct satisfaction if I could uh, scratch. Yes. Okay. So 
it's very clear nowadays that uh, this capacity to resist direct satisfaction, immediate satisfaction. Remember, immediate means no mediation. Immediate mm, satisfaction. Immediate, yes? yes. Immediate. Okay, so a child uh, will develop his uh, controlling functions, his uh, intellectual capacity to control his own actions, which means instead of eating somebody because the face doesn't, because he doesn't like the face, he would, uh, well, uh, reason. He will uh, engage into conversation and he will discover that the person has different aspects that are likable and they will compensate. They have a, collected, a collection of ideas that will balance uh, the immediate reactions. Okay? Mm. So these uh, capacity of agency, they develop. They are not uh, inborn. They are not innate, yes? No. And it's very interesting that there, are, there have been many, many studies of conscious control in that sense of the self, conscious self-regulation, if you want. Yes, yes. And it's clear that uh, the child very early from five to six years of age starts to be aware of strategies of behavior. Strategies to resist immediate uh, consummation of desire will uh, and start, for example, one thing that is very important in learning is to be able to resist uh, failure, hmm. resist the feeling that comes out of not succeeding. I wish I'd known that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so... Uh, when the child is using a tool to enhance a function, we are talking of a mediated action. Yes? yes, it's, uh, yes. Uh, to make it the simplest way as possible, because we are talking of practical intellect when we want to sit. Uh, it's clear that in human beings, the practical intellect starts before the verbal intellect. They are child of two years old or one and a half that don't speak or one year old that don't speak yet and are able, like apes, like, uh, uh, well, uh, mammals of the higher species, to be able to solve mechanical problems. Mm -hmm. Yes, to, to bring something out of something. Or for example, I want to eat the sweet that is on top of the shelf, but I cannot reach. So enhancing human capacities is, uh, is always there. How could I enhance the length of my arm? Well, I need to find a, a stick. I need to find uh, a, a boot, something that will make me reach further. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you use a tool, uh, you are starting to, to change uh, the perspective. Yes. And so for the moment, I am speaking of mechanical tools, what we call external tools. But you have to, um, to imagine that it's possible also to solve problems by using internal tools or we call it intellectual tools. Yes. You use an intellectual tool to enhance your attention or to enhance your memory or to enhance your reasoning capacity. This is called a mediated function. It's not memory proper, innate memory, eidetic memory. No, it's a new logical memory. It's not, uh, uh, well, elementary attention. It's uh, reason attention. 
I want to be uh, thinking about you. I want to be thinking about what I'm saying. I want to be thinking of the overall plan I'm following in these interviews. I don't want to be listening to what is happening outside. I don't want to see what's on the screen here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am directing my attention. I use language in order to do that. So it's mediated attention. So uh, you have to to think it very simply about mediated functions or means whereby. It's very simple. Oh, it's the same. It's it's always uh, necessary to understand that some means whereby are adapted to the situation, adapted to learning more, adapted to experimenting, experimenting, adapted to exploring, but some means whereby are deadly. You can use language to destroy yourself. You can use language to destroy your confidence. You can use language to destroy your capacity of resisting temptation. It's uh, language is is a tool, you know, tools can be used uh, many different ways. That's right. As a teacher, you have to, in fact, help the pupil see that language, as interesting as it is, can be dangerous. And you have to have them reason the why and the wherefore and how you can use it. So then we have that person suddenly uh, as, re- as in front of her or in front of himself, he has a video of himself answering a question, asking where is the middle of the torso relative to the top and the bottom of the torso. Well, that person will quickly see because it's a film that uh, there are movements that produce these positions you assume a position what it what it means is that there are movements <laughs> you are making <laughs> movements and the person say no i'm not making the movements they happen it's not me it's it, it, it's automatic is it so and then you discover a new field very interesting where you need to experiment is it really automatic Is it really beyond your control? Is it something that has been so habitual that you have no mastery over it or not? Yes. Well, in the question, you have an idea of the answer. The answer is not. So the first thing is you control. So you see. So you say to the person, well, if I see a person that is sitting and I see the front part of the torso as a curve, can I reason something about what's happening at the back? Yes. Is the back straight? Is the back on the other side? Con- when, if it's uh, convex at the front, is it concave at the back or not? So it's, it's using higher, higher capacities yes. to solve, the moment reasoning. To yes. solve a it's problem. Using, yes, using the experiment that has been made in order to suddenly decide of another experiment. What if you wanted to change? that form mm-hmm. what if that form that is curved is not well exactly supportive we know that for movements to happen for uh, the capacity of uh, having greatest number of movement it's necessary to have support if you are out on a limb it's very difficult to imagine that you can have a movement between parts easily because you're so afraid of falling that you will, well, use your normal strategy, which is suppression of movement. Or just a reflex. So, the reflex yes, of not falling. It's a response. 
yeah. I, I would not call it a reflex. It's a response. Mm -hmm. There is a clear feeling that you're falling. The response is I stiffen. So the way this, this, this can be useful for musicians, for example, is that oh, yeah. there's so much there's so much rotation and counter movements uh, necessary to to support the instrument that a lot of people find that they run into trouble physically after yes. a, you know a repeated uh, action of playing and studying with the music. Whereas when you take the instrument away, you realize that without the instrument, you're also running into trouble of having enough support so that movements are happening uh, in the way that you want. So that uh, you have uh, a plan for supporting yourself. Then when you get the instrument, you can be rotating and uh, it's the rotation is happening from a a base of support that you're aware of and that you can continuously apply movements to so that you're not getting uh, into a overly contracted or fixed position. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yes, but uh, but then now we have to go into the how because I, I described how you can control consciously. Yeah. Well, you can control consciously if you use, uh, well, intellectual instrument that are not present that you can't feel uh, you cannot control something by what you feel apparently what you feel does not uh, uh, does not impress the camera mm -hmm. the performance on camera is not what you think it is yes and so we believe in in, in, in images we believe in what we see so uh, we want to describe as someone else could describe there is an objective uh, way of dealing with this problem instead of dealing with the subjective way. The somatic way or the subjective way, if you want, are yeah, the same yeah. thing. They yeah. want to, to get to the first person experience. And the first person experience is absolutely the antithesis of what I explained last time, which is the first pupil perspective. Right. The yeah. first pupil perspective, it's impossible to base anything any change on what you feel, even if it's been transmitted to you by someone of great uh, manipulation capacity, even if you use that, you're not using means whereby. The that, means whereby yeah. are based on a number of movements occurring all at the same time. How do you guide this? So you need language once again. So you need to you practice need to... it. You need something to practice. Oh, it. yes. You have to, you have to learn. It's not not even practice, but learn. And let me tell you. Well, learn so, to practice see. because the, if you if you're yeah. going on the uh, the subjective or somatic uh, method, that you you might be there if you're lucky for an hour even every day, or half an hour and every it, day, yeah. and that would most most musicians, for example, wouldn't be able to afford that. And then you don't <laughs> you don't know what to practice. You don't know what yes. to study. To practice, is that so? That's that's the difference because I think that a somatic uh, teacher or a touch teacher is uh, is not a real teacher. Is not a teacher in the sense that I have in mind. The, uh, uh, a teacher in the sense that I have in mind is someone that will help you to, in fact, grab 
intellectually things mm. and start to make use of what you uh, have uh, collected and organized in order to solve problems when the teacher is not there, yeah, yeah. when the teacher is absent. When, so you become your own teacher. And mm-hmm. you will you will use the technique the teacher has used with you, with your own self, in order to learn more. You don't. As soon as you know the technique, you don't need the teacher in order to perform the exploration. So we are teaching experiments. We are not teaching results. That's the very ah, big difference. Yes. So let's go into explaining how. Yes. It, it, what will happen? What is involved the in the learning? Yeah, what is involved in the learning? So, we can describe movements in space. We need a system of orientation. We need to uh, explain to the pupil words that we are going to use so that these words are understood. Yes? And Mm -hmm. so, for example, when I say forward, backward, up, down, outward, inward, as you know, it's absolutely necessary to define these words so that the person has a clear representation in the mind of what we are talking about. The second thing is that it's absolutely necessary that the person understands that we are not talking about muscles, that we are talking about segments, about parts. Alexander called them parts, you know. And so what what do we mean by parts? Well, parts are rigid levers that are moving relative to one another in the whole complex of the anatomical structure. And their movements, yes, are happening geometrically. That's one thing you have to understand. At the joints. And so... At the joints. So it's very important that the person has a clear idea of how we are going to control the movements. Because you can't control muscle movements. The muscle system is so complex. There are so many muscles and each muscle has so many uh, lines of actions that you can see when you look at a muscle, you will see the the fibers, the motor fibers. And you will find that, wow, a muscle has not one direction only, but can have many. If you, if you imagine muscles like, for example, the trapezius, yes. oh, it's, un- it's mind-boggling how many ways you can use the trapezius. Okay? And it, and it so, never exists on its own. And so the, even the, yeah. the way it connects information to the nerves, to the brain, is, is beyond, beyond chaos. Yes, it's beyond chaos. Yes, it's absolutely erratic. It's impossible. When, when scientists have tried to see what the brain was receiving as information, it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's like uh, nearly infinite. It's uh, and, and, and nearly random, by the way. So uh, we are not using that at all. We are using, in fact, another way of using language to create a function a mediated function, is to, for example, think, okay, uh, if you think about um, your elbow, you can imagine touching the part that is the furthest away from your shoulder. There is a bone, and you want to touch it, and you, you will find a spot, yes? And we can, we, we can give it a name. Mm. Giving a name to a spot on a bone is very, very clever. It's, it's something that will, in fact, help you to guide your attention towards something you don't feel. Because there is a problem with feeling, is that you can't feel 10 spots at a time. But you can coordinate them in your... Yes, you can start having intentions. Intentions described in speech, 
that intention, uh, for example, the first one, I want to pull the tip of the elbow that I've just described away from the center of the body. Mm. So we know that away from the center of the body is a very clear direction. And I say, okay, I will count one, two, three, because there are rules of engagement. How long will it take for my movement to appear? Well, that has to be uh, defined because otherwise, how could you say that the action you're going to make is a conscious act? That's right. For it to be a conscious act, you need absolutely to know when it starts and when it finishes. Because we we know of acts. We don't know exactly when they started. We don't know exactly when we finished them. Can we call them conscious acts? No, we can't. Of course not. So it's possible to create a first movement and think, okay, I will have this first movement in mind. But at the same time, I just remembered that my ribs were seen as forward relative to the front of the torso. So at the same moment as I will pull the tip of the elbow outward, I will see if I can pull the ribs backward in space. (laughs) So but let me just stop you there. That. I'm going to just stop you there. That uh, I think uh, I I certified as an Alexander teacher did the same style of uh, uh, training that as you did, and then I think it was almost was it two years ago exactly almost that I started taking lessons with you, and when you introduced that concept of that a conscious act has to have a beginning, and has to have an end, I mean. Um, I don't know for people who might be watching this who who have some familiarity with Alexander technique or Alexander's writing or might have interest. That that was a revolutionary concept for me, and it was also extremely useful. That concept yeah. that a conscious act has to be observable for it to yes. to be to be. Otherwise. Uh, who's the who's the judge of whether that that act was conscious or yes, not? So exactly. I just wanted to add that in because it actually it changed my perspective of how I relate to myself and other people. Uh, yeah. In in it, to, towards the positive, towards the positive. Yeah. So yes. Sorry. Well, Go ahead. That that start that was started by uh, two things the first thing is alexander the second is delsart so the first sure. alexander yeah. when he defines what he means by lengthening the back it's very interesting to 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 read very very closely what he's uh, saying how can he say that the person is lengthening the back or shortening the back it's quite interesting because there are two different explanations one in the first book and one in the second mm. i will i will start with the first one he says, well, take a six, in, six uh, inches piece of cardboard and uh, look at the bottom of it. The first inch you don't consider, you consider just above it, before the middle. And you will find that if you measure the full length of the, of the stripe yes. uh, and then afterwards you bend the lower part above the first inch, you bend the lower part, you will find that the distance has reduced. 
He says, of course, it's impossible to lengthen the spine. It's impossible to separate the vertebrae one away from one another. It's, but if you, in fact, reduce the curve and he's talking of the lower curve, it's yes. very interesting. Yes. Yeah, then you discover that, uh, of course, if you increase the curve, you reduce the stature. If you lengthen the curve, you lengthen the, stature, the whole stature. So it's interesting because it's a geometrical explanation. Hmm. It's not, it's not a, uh, something I reduce the tension, a feeling of tension, or I, I have a feeling that I'm lengthening. No, no, no. It's geometrical. Yes? It's very clear. The second is Delsart, because Delsart has rules and rules for conscious acts. And there is one rule. It's a rule of num number and the rule of measure and the rule of weight. The rule of numbers is that um, for, for Delsart, there is... Um, a law that is called the law of dynamic wealth. And you will understand quickly what I mean if, I've, if you've seen the first interview. It's the law of dynamic wealth is uh, the wealth of a gesture yes. is proportional to the number of its agent in movement. As the, exactly as the more organs in a form, the greater its wealth, the more gesture brings into play joints, the more its wealth and power. It's exactly what we said earlier about sitting. If you are restraining mm. movements, if there, if there are less agents in action, well, you will be more unbalanced. And of course, you will feel less uh, liberated from the movement system and you will have to scratch when you are itched somewhere. You want to suppress one movement, release here or release there. Yes, there is no integration. So the, law, the wealth of gesture is, uh, is very, very important to have in mind when you look at a shortening spine and you think, how many movements do I need? Well, and where do I need them? Hmm. And there is something here is where is that the part of the structure that has the most joints, the part of the structure that has the most weight, the part of the structure that has the most import into the functioning of the system. Which is it? The spine. That's a question. Well, the torso. Yes, yes. Yes. So we have to imagine something is that our sitting person is not aware of movements of the different parts of the torso is engaging. You will notice that uh, the torso may be uh, bend one way or another, but how is the bending done? How many parts are there involved in the torso? And how could the person direct consciously the movement? So that's what will come second, is that you will say to the person, okay, you're going to pull the tip of the elbow outward. You're going to pull the ribs back. Yes, but when you pull the ribs back, we don't want the top of the torso to move back at the same time. Mm. We want an antagonistic direction. Well, a movement has direction in space, yes? Yes, and yes. So antagonistic uh, movements means movement that have opposite directions. So when you pull the tip of the elbow outward, I want you to pull the ribs back and the throat forward. Simple experiment. Yes, all this is field. What we will see on film is that is the person starting the three movements at the same time? 
is the person for example the person will do the movements we ask the person to do the movement is a measure of three which means two seconds one second between one and two one second between two and three so the person will say one two three we stop the video and we look so we look first to see if all the movement has started at one very often the person will say but i started before Mm -hmm. I say, yes, you're right. I think you started before. Why this answer? Well, it's because I want the person to reason and to reason another experiment. It's not the experiment that I'm doing with the person that counts. It's what the person is going to think about because of this experiment yes. and how to produce experiments that don't happen the same way. Uh, it's like counterfactual. He say, I see I am doing this all the time. I do not accept it. I will make <laughs> a new experiment. And at this time, I will start all the movements together. Yeah? So one, two, three. We will see if the person stops all the movement at the same time or not. Well, very often the person, well, has certainly not guided all the movements together during the one, two, three. Very often you see something very strange. The person starts one movement and says, no, and stop the experiment. Why did you say no and stop the experiment? Um, uh, I was not uh, pulling the iliac. I was not pulling the, the lower part. I was not pulling the middle part or I was not pulling the top part or I, I discovered. How did you know? But I felt it. Ah, so you stopped the experiment because of, of a feeling. Of what was <laughs> happening. You have to understand that in mediated action, the control is not direct. It's, you need an intermediation, you know? It's yeah. not, uh, because direct is, and we call it engaining. Like somebody that is moving too much and try to suppress the movements. No, no, no. We want to enhance movements. If you feel every movement you're making of the series, well, you can't feel them all at once. No. So you're stuck. So you have to abandon the old perspective, the old somatic perspective of feeling what you're doing and calling that control. Because that is subconscious control as its best. It's feeling control. We don't want that. Well, that has fantastic. We yeah, but we, that has Plunge in the dark. Plunge in the dark. Well, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. We will see on screen. And you will make judgment as to what you see uh, in order to create a new experiment. But this has no end. How do you know? Have you, have you practiced before that sort of thing? No. So how do you know it's at, it has no end? So it's like because guessing the results yeah. before, before any... Yeah. So it's getting... The person is as, as like a preconception of the whole thing. Yes. And you think, well, you cannot know this. You need, to, you need to try. And I am very, well, it's very easy for me to say that the person does not know this because I know otherwise. I have seen so many teachers, so many people having lessons and suddenly discovering that they could direct movements together. And more than two and three. I, I'm, Alexander puts a limit to 12. Yes? 
okay, I've not reached 12, but even six, seven, eight movements together and see them start at the same time, finish at the same time and unfold in a progressive manner. Yes, everybody can do it. it what, what you have to go through. You just have to give, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's like the hardest thing is most people don't give themselves the opportunity to fail yeah. or the opportunity to uh, laugh at themselves or the opportunity to yes. say, and so in another way, I'm just thinking of musicians, but a lot of people, they'll say, I'm not good at talking to new people or yes. I get, I get afraid on stage. And says, well, how do you know? Well, because it happened once. Yes. And then someone told me, and I and go I'm to sure these and, and I go to these yes. meditation classes for people who are anxious. So I must be anxious, because as soon yes. as I'm not anxious, then I lose some friends. <laughs> Taking an extreme case. Yeah, yeah. But in the same way, I mean, sitting quietly and closing your eyes and letting your mind wander can be a wonderful thing, but if it's been being promoted to change behavior. Well, then you know, I'm just make, yeah, yeah, that's that, that maybe it's used, maybe it works. I mean, I can't decide what works for people, but uh, it remains to be but it's seen. Good that you, you said this because uh, it goes right in the good direction. I will explain what we as a teacher, my interaction with the person is to produce questions, hmm. is to produce dialogue. And uh, the person will soon discover that my dialogue is very directed, always in the same manner. Always, let's observe. Let's see what really happens. Let's compare with the plan we have in mind. We wanted the front part to be aligned on the same psychological vertical line. Yes? What is it we've got? We've got, yes, at the start, this, this movement is, is, is this movement in the right direction? Mm -hmm. So, yes, that movement in the right direction. So, yes. So, what about the elbow? Well, I don't see the point of the elbow. The elbow has nothing to do with it. The elbow is part of the arm and we are trying to organize the torso. Okay, I understand. But uh, nevertheless, what is the elbow doing? And what is the relationship we can reason between the movement of the elbow and the movement of the top part of the torso. Is mm. there no relationship, as you imagine, or is there a relationship? Can you, can you see that when your elbow starts to go backward, your shoulder goes backwards, and as a result, the weight of the head is blown back, and you tend to protrude the, the middle part of the torso? Yeah. So somehow it's related. Yes, but I, it pulls a lot when I do that. It's as, as if my shoulder doesn't want to go there. I feel a lot of tension. Okay, I, you, I, I understand that you feel a lot of tension. Is that why you're making that face on the screen when you do it? Yes, that's why. So, yes, I understand. But the dialogue is to say, well, is it not normal? If you have always been used to movements that are bringing your shoulder backward, Yes. that uh, the part of the muscles that are, in fact, producing the antagonistic directions are out of use, are, are weak, <laughs> so that they need to perform way too much compared to someone that would be organized differently and mm. would perform that movement regularly. Yes, so you have to allow for progression, 
a progressive or what we call a constructive approach mm. where you have to accept, first of all, to look like all tense because, uh, of course, at first, well, in order to produce the movement in the right directions, which means the antagonistic direction we are interested in, you have to disassociate the movement that are normally associated by your habitual reaction, mm. which feels okay. And now it feels all all queer, very strange, very wrong. Of course, there is always the picture, the video. So you look mm. at the video mm. and say, how can I feel falling backward when look when I look at the video? It's fake. All the weight, all the weight is forward for the moment. How can I feel so much and with such uh, clarity, such uh, uh, you know, the ultimate judgment? I am falling back. <laughs> well, when I see it on screen, as a de detached from it, as if it was someone else, I look at it and I say, no, no way. What is this? I am. Uh, my my feelings of movements are lying to me yes. to a point that is absolutely bewildering. So, yes, there are uh, in the lessons, there are stages that are not really uh, agreeable. That's absolutely clear. I help people to learn to feel bad. That's what my big, uh, uh, you know, uh, my big card or I had a T-shirt. Learn to feel bad. Come. Yes, that's for sure. But... There is always this idea that uh, the student has to direct his dialogue with himself. Mm. Uh, directing the dialogue with yourself is to say, well, I am, I am, not, I am not good at this. Who say that? I'm, I'm talking to myself, by the way. I'm not talking to someone else. I'm, talking, I'm starting to have a uh, discourse about uh, what is the statement mm -hmm. I am making. And the possibility that this statement is a habit, is, is going always the, the same direction. Always, because uh, I have placated myself for a long time and my teachers have. And uh, so I have got, I, I've in, integrated this, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's part of my discourse. It's very interesting to be in the uh, st studying situation, learning uh, situation and think, wow, when I see myself reacting to this lesson, is that, I, I react all the time like this. Very often I have students say, but uh, I watched the lesson, yes. Do I interrupt all the time like this? Well, I say, yes. Uh -huh. I say, but it's awful. No, it's not awful. It's part of, uh, it's part of the, the studying. But how can you study something if you interrupt all the time? Well, with difficulty, but that's your way, okay? <laughs> It's just, um, and, and so you have to discuss and to dialogue with yourself and to think, okay, there are habits of, of body, of movements, but there are habits of mind. And so uh, the person is going to look at her habits of mind with a honest dialogue, mm. with a, a moral attitude of kindness, a moral attitude of... Uh, of uh, Calm, calm and collected. Yes, there is this, but look, there is that, 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 and that. So measure. We, we have to use measure in discourse when we learn. Yeah. Because it's a moment of, uh, of course, because you learn something, it's because you don't know it. If, if, you, were to, if you knew everything, you wouldn't need to learn. That's uh, right. Well, the greatest difficulty to learn is to think that you know. 
if, if you are sure that you are know you know how to behave, that you have uh, the correct Alexander technique behavior, don't don't have a lesson. It's no point. Yeah, you know. And, and it's interesting, it's, just that that simple action of oh, mo- do you think you can do this experiment of moving this spot forward or back in relation to something becomes like a almost like a uh, a destructive force on on the person's entire personality you know it's like it, 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 well yes it, if it you if you don't that. have the if you're not in the mind to say well that was just a movement and this is just one moment of my personality and is it possible for me to fi- discover other ways of yeah. my personality and uh, I can so yeah. as, as a teacher, when this happens, as a teacher, you have to be present. You have to be um, um, helping the person create the correct dialogue in order to, put, to further the experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, when you play the violin for the first time, it's not going to sound good. It's uh, don't don't expect it to to sound like uh, like uh, a, a good violinist. It's not possible. You have to understand that. So you have to understand satisfaction ask something that will come as a result of a process it's a process of learning so we have to debunk these ideas and these dialogues that people have in their head when they are learning so m- many people have had bad experience with mathematics for example and yes. so they will freeze they will um, start talking to themselves too much when they are confronted with the problem. Instead of thinking of the problem, they are thinking of what they think of themselves uh, in the action of doing the problem. You know, wow, dear. So that is happening. <laughs> and so that should happen during the lessons. Because when you ask a person, even an Alexander teacher that has been teaching for 30 years, you ask the person to, uh, well, consciously control afterwards what are the effect of the d- different the series of instruction uh, they have pronounced? So they say, well, I've got this intention of having this point move there, I have the intention of this point to move there, and I have the intention, very important, to have this part not move in the mm-hmm. same direction. Mm-hmm. So there are directions of definite performance, the thing you want to move, and there are definite uh, instructions of definite inhibition. Uh, Alexander explained that in the first book, but then this was uh, wiped off in the second edition. But that is a technique uh, of playing, learning to play the guitar or the violin. There's things that you must do and there's the things that you must prevent yourself from doing and they cannot be separate. If you separate them... Yes, but there is a way to present this in a different way. You can say there are movements that you want to see later on film and there are movement that you don't want to see later on film but in the case so of music less, we're talking about the the, it's the same hearing thing. capacity not only not only because yes. uh in, in every musical uh learning there is a problem that people will tend to play for themselves they, they will tend to uh hear themselves play and uh con- like uh, focus their attention on what they are playing themselves and when suddenly the problem is different, when suddenly it's uh, uh, the problem is to play in a group, mm-hmm. is to accord with a group, yes. to compose with a group, then all their training is for nothing because they still play for themselves and they can't hear the others. 
So the same problem will arise in any field, not only uh, mathematical or uh, intellectual fields or fields of movements or fields of music. Every single time you will find the same problem. How to, in fact, have a way to perform and a way to control that are separate, that are not like uh, united in uh, an automatic activity. That's yes. the problem. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I suppose Del Sartre, having been a composer, and I just, I just reminded, yes. uh, got reminded something of uh, one of my favorite composers, Arnold Schoenberg. He says uh, in in 1921 at the uh, instructions of a piece that he's composed, he said, and something to the effect of, and please don't add anything extra to the music, <laughs> like just, just play it as it is. And this is what I mean with this new technique of vocalization. And please don't add anything that's not there. <laughs> As in, yes. don't try to make uh, additional affect onto the music, but listen to the music. And, yeah. you know, it, it, that one piece is one of the most groundbreaking and most uh, beloved or hated, but most uh, well-constructed pieces even almost a hundred years later but it's, I didn't realize until reading the score there's this specific instruction of, of please yeah. be aware of what's in front of you and don't you add have to place yourself now in the position of one of the player yes and if the one if one of the player is playing for himself yes. his own piece how can he uh, in fact listen to the music he cannot and so he's going to be a disruptive uh, player exactly. in the whole group. And, and if he's been taught to uh, play like that, well, if, he, if he's learned to play like that, it's not his fault. It's the fault of the teaching. Mm. So you have to change the teaching in order exactly. for the person to be able to detach the performance and the control from one another. And that is the part, a big part of the lessons I give. Mm. So that the person will stop uh, being what we call self-conscious. When you're self-conscious, you're self-judging yourself second by second of your performance. You know, plunging in the dark is different. Plunging <laughs> in the dark is I have clear intentions. I want this. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want all this to happen in three seconds or two seconds. And I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. Okay. I've got uh, uh, four instructions of definite performance, three instructions of definite inhibition. And I'm going to unite all this into a, uh, a, mo a moment, a little story, a little uh, measure. Yes? yes. In time and space. Good. Well, at first, the pupil will discover that his habits of mind go against it. The person wants to feel, wants to make sure, wants to be right, wants to, uh, did I really stop this? If the person talks to herself and says, did I really stop this? The whole concerted activity, that all together is completely lost. And what is very nice, it's, it screams on film. <laughs> the person will say, wow, what is this? It all started well. What What's what happening here? Why is it suddenly uh, all wrong? Why am I pulling here and this is going there? I say, well, isn't that something you thought at that moment? 
So conscious control and conscious guidance, finally, are not conscious control and conscious guidance of movements in space and time. It's conscious control and conscious guidance of what you think at the moment you're mm. performing. Mm. Yes? Yes. So, uh, so the whole thing suddenly... But they live uh, inside movements, Janda. Yes, they live inside movements, but you have to exert some control. The control is not about uh, what you want to see, what you don't want to see, because that's going to be after. The moment is that I am going to plunge in the dark and uh, I want to be very, very clear about uh, what is the intentions. And uh, that has to be before I start. Mm. Because mm. otherwise you can't listen to the music. Mm. You, you're just uh, judging this or judging that. You're mm. not listening. Uh, stop interfering, which Alexander would say. Meaning, at the moment of performing the, the five intentions, the five or six intentions, we see that you're not, that you're not, in fact, working by memory, which is now a mediated memory. It's not a memory of the feelings because you have no idea what it's going to feel. Because it's possible to feel one movement or maybe two. But when you start to unite movements together in a way that is new to you, yes. that you've never done, you have no feeling whatsoever to support what you're going to control. So plunge. It's, I, I, as I say, just plunge. It's just a, uh, being a teacher, being, uh, helping people to create experiment, being a, making people s somehow see what, mm. how they react in the experiment and only in the experiment, how they inhibit only in the experiment when they start a movement. What, what, what we see, when we ask a person to move uh, one part relative to one another, most of the time there is something very surprising, is that the person is able to, to, to achieve the movements. Yes? Yes, well, yes. I say, I pull the throat forward, I pull the ribs back, I want them on the same vertical line, fine. But what is interesting is that when we control, when we look at the video, what we see is that, well, that was, that was good. But what happened is that, in fact, the person managed to do it while going very far down, while, while uh, you know, bending the torso forward. So the person says, uh, yes, when I do that, I have to bend the torso forward. Yes, I see that when you do that, you have to bend the torso forward. Or? What do you mean, or? Well... Is it possible to organize the two movements uh, <laughs> and uh, now have something new, which is a prevent, first of all, the two movements to go to, toward one another? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, oh, oh you don't think so? You have, you've experimented earlier then? No, I think so. Well, you think so without no experiment? Oh, yes, you need to test. Let's test, experiment. So you are going to pull the ribs back and you are going to pull the throat forward in order to get them on the same, same vertical mm. line mm. side. This is something that we can measure on screen. We can trace. We can, uh, well, we will see that. But now we want to see if it's possible to expand instead of uh, narrow the parts. And the person will try and would say, ah, I, I said, you see, I said it. I said, yes, you said you were going to... Uh, shorten, not, you are not being able to stop the shortening. But you have been able to stop the shortening. You shorten half, half as much as the last time. 
Yes, but I shorten. Yes, but you shorten half, half the amount of last time. So you're using these instruments to actually um, teach this person uh, uh, to, to speak a different language or to, to speak a different, this language of uh, separating themselves from what they, what they think they can do. Yes. And you're, they're learning to speak a language of how to actually experiment and create new movements. Yes. And create new experiments. Like new, new phonem, a phonem at a time, a word at a time. Uh, they're building this, 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 uh, this technique. Yes. It's always this idea that, um, well, I, I want to make um, a comment, uh, a separate comment that uh, seems to have no uh, rapport with that one, but I think there is a very strong connection between the two, is that um, at first children, they use the same words as we do. Mm. But their meaning is very different from ours, <laughs> you know. Their, their meaning is uh, is more like a word is a is a family is part of a family. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when you see what is a brother, well they know what's a brother. Say so, yes, but give me an explanation. You get a five year old or six year old to give you an explanation of what is a brother, and they will say, but the brother is like uh, Quentin, because Quentin is the name of his brother. Uh, or they will find two persons which are brothers and they will give you their names. They have no idea. They, they cannot separate uh, their uh, experience yes, from the meaning. Yes. But after a while, you will get somebody that will say, but, well, you need an eight-year-old now. A, a, a healthy-year-old will, will say, well, a, a brother is uh, someone that has the same father or the same mother as, uh, as the person we are talking about. Well, you see that what, hap what happened is that there is a, a, a new level, a, 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 like a concept of a different level that will create the name brother. And it's not a family. It's a structure. So um, when I teach, I want people to start uh, being uh, able to observe. Mm -hmm. But not observe. Uh, you can, there are different ways of, of, of observing, you know. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm bad. Oh, I like what I, I don't like. You know, uh, some up, some down, which is uh, the, the very basic form of judgment that we are not interested in. It's not very we useful in learning. It's not useful at all. You know, it, 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 even if you're, if you're a sum up, it, it, it builds up the, uh, the pressure on you. Or if you're summed down, anyway, I am summed down. What do you want? I, I, can do I, I cannot do better. In both ways, it's really uh, affecting uh, the openness to exploring, the openness mm. to the kind of observation we are after. The kind of observation that we need to promote is to say, well, there are structures, there are links Things don't go uh, with quality. As, uh, for example, uh, somebody was telling me, uh, I, I am not supple. I say, well, you could, you, uh, you're talk to, talking of a substance. A substance is supple. So, supple doesn't uh, fit what we do with the movement we do. I'm not used to, having the, to doing this movement. Yes. So you are supple in other uh, circumstances. What we are interested in is uh, expanding the way the observation will create new possibilities. Yes. Expand slightly yes. further. 
Yes. Not not uh, staying inside the sort of uh, uh, system that is well understood, well accepted between people. No, no, no. We want uh, to refuse. We, but basically, there is this idea that uh, uh, what is uh, is just uh, the result of uh, 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 the past learning, mm-hmm. and I want to go. We want to go over that. Yes. Don't satisfy yourself with it. I mean, we're also uh, living in a world that subconsciously say, is still talking about Darwinian, well, weird parts of Darwinian theory, which means that your 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 genetics will define exactly what you are. Yes, exactly. Which, you know, we're well, saying we're saying no to that concept as far as you know everyone has yeah. the same capacity, but in a way, we are applying it to ourselves subconsciously. Saying yes, I'm not but subtle. I am pro. I am pro education. Yes. I am not uh, in the in this uh, evolutionary of well the, the use of the evolutionary mystic into education is for me uh, no a dead end. I, I am not into that. I am into I education. I understand. Yes, I know. So, Yes. What is it we could we could refuse? Uh, so we could refuse that I can't do this. I could refuse that I can't do that. And uh, so what kind of experiment should I start uh, constructing mm. in order to, in fact, uh, expand my views and, uh, and, and go further? And that is what makes lessons fantastic. Otherwise... Well, it's, I can tell you, it's stale. It's the idea is to uh, make people into a mold and have them move into that mold. Oh, my God. It's, I, I can't do that. It's, uh, it's boring. Boring. So when somebody engaged into that and found that to make a living, well, <laughs> finally, they have to sell that to people, they, they, they grow little. So they grow aggressive. They they don't uh, you know they don't respect other people for exploring of course because it's uh, it's an are you talking about Alexander now of the art no I don't know I'm talking in in general <laughs> but yes sometimes yes sometimes yes, yes it's it's true yeah. yes so that was nice well I, I'm um, looking at the time now this is I'm fantastic sorry, but... John that we probably have to pick it up on a on another night um, but yeah. it's been it's been amazing to have this discussion and especially uh, I really invite people who might be watching this to uh, give you an email, give you a call. All the information can be found underneath this video and uh, to find out some new ways to sort of discover new possibilities in how they can organize their thinking. And um, again, my guest tonight and the Feynman factor has been Jean Do Mazoero who lives in uh, south of France, or thereabouts. Is it Montpellier? Yes. Montpellier. Montpellier, did I say that correctly? Not, not too far from Montpellier. Montpellier. Considered in Melbourne, yes. It's not too far from Montpellier. <laughs> All right, John. It's a very nice country, by the way. Yeah. Well, uh, they could come to visit you, or they could come to visit you on Skype. Either way. Well, it's easier to visit me on <laughs> Skype. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, thanks well, again. Well, thank you very much, too.